Classic Business with Michael Avery, sponsored by Alex Forbes, for insight, advice and impact. Welcome back to Classic Business, uh, and it's time to unpack the state of the South African exchange-traded product industry uh, for uh, the first time this year. I'm joined now by Mike Brown, CEO of ETFSA.coza. Mike, uh, all the very best for the year of the wood dragon. Let's hope uh, the market doesn't catch flame and, and burn down. Um, certainly the ETP industry is, is in robust health. It saw a, a remarkable 28% increase in its overall market cap to 165.4 billion rand by the end of last year. And obviously a big component of that has been uh, the addition of actively managed exchange listed products, uh, foreign referenced ETFs, uh, as well as some interest rate movements have played a significant role in the industry's growth. Can you just elaborate on uh, the big impacts that have seen such phenomenal growth of 28% last year? Well, yes. Uh, so the uh, you know, the ETF industry has now been going for since 2000 when the first ETF, Satrix 40, was listed on the JSC. And it's uh, been growing steadily. But uh, more recently, we've seen a bit of acceleration in that growth. And uh, in terms of total size of all the ETFs, ETNs, AMCs taken together, um, that grew by 36 billion rand last year, of which 10 billion rand came from new capital raised from new listings and from listing uh, from issues of existing ETFs and issue because they're open-ended. You can list or delist the ETFs at any stage. Um, but the other 26 billion was really just the market improvement. You know, equities went up globally, and um, there was quite a bit of uh, uh, interest in. Uh, things like bond ETFs and, uh, as you quite rightly say, actively managed portfolios. So it was nicely spread across the industry, but uh, the ETF uh, industry, which uh, struggled to get off the ground, is now really uh, growing, well, I wouldn't say exponentially, but it's growing very, very steadily. Well, very steadily indeed, given um, that we only saw uh, returns on the JSE all share of around 3 4% last year, much of those returns yeah. really coming offshore and uh, phenomenal growth that we've seen in, in the U.S., uh, on the NASDAQ in particular and the S&P. Um, uh, we, we touched last year on the new edition of uh, AMC's actively managed certificates. Uh, what sets these apart uh, from traditional ETFs in the market? Yes, well, traditional ETFs and tradition really only goes back 20, 25 years was that you were tracking an index. So the first ETFs that were listed in America tracked the Standard & Poor's uh, 500 index. You just had a, an ETF which just bought all the shares that made up the S&P 500 uh, index. And uh, by doing that, you exactly tracked the uh, movement of that index. Um, that was the spiders. And then, as I say, in 2000, we listed the Satrix 40, which tracked the top 40 index in South Africa. But they were purely index trackers. They just owned the shares that made up the index they didn't take any decisions on portfolio changes or doing anything active. They purely just passively reflected the uh, components of an index. Uh, that changed in um, at the end of uh, 2022 when the JSC introduced actively managed ETPs to the to the scene. And what they then said is you can actually list portfolios on the stock exchange where you actively manage those portfolios. In other words, you look for securities or you look for assets as a classes that will enable you to outperform the uh, general 
performance of, of the investment market. And uh, that's taken off quite nicely because there's now 44 actively managed certificates and there's five actively managed ETFs that have uh, that have uh, popped up just in the past year. And and I think that's a that's a certainly a new area and it's a, it's a, it's an area of big growth for the ETP industry as a whole. Yeah, well, and considering there are over one thousand seven hundred unit trusts, there doesn't appear to be any concern about uh, any potential oversaturation or dilution at at this stage. Still, um, a long way to go before we anywhere near that number. Uh, just um, on that point, what criteria are in place in order to list? Uh, an AMC. Do I have to be an asset manager um, to be considered third party and eligible, or can Michael Avery, who hosts Classic Business, go and wrap up what I believe to be my model portfolio and go and list it on the JAC? Well, it's not quite as easy as that, uh, unfortunately for you, Michael Avery, because I'm sure you'd have a great portfolio. <laughs> but effectively, what happens in actively managed certificates is it's a note, uh, effectively a debt instrument which is issued by a bank, an investment bank, or by a big asset manager. And they effectively guarantee that that uh, note will deliver the performance of the underlying basket of securities. And the listing requirements then say that the person who issues the note, in other words, ensures the creditworthiness of the note, can't be the asset manager. So it needs a third-party asset manager. It needs somebody else to manage the assets, but to do it through an investment bank. And uh, there's now 20 different asset managers that have listed those 44 uh, um, actively managed certificates. So it's it's, it's uh, becoming quite a popular way of bringing your portfolios to the market. And I expect it to grow quite a lot uh, uh, in future. Yeah, and, and that structure that you've just raised uh, by going through a third party does ensure that there are um, you know, there's independence built into it uh, as well. When we look at new capital raised and deed listings, um, we, we see the 36 billion rand increase in market cap in 2023 resulted obviously from both market gains, but also new capital raised. Uh, what is your sense um, for appetite for new capital raises in the South African market at the moment, given that generally um, you know, the the, the market uh, has been quite thin. I just look at, um, you know, even trading on the JAC yesterday. I think we traded 12, 13 billion rand. This seems to be an area that is bucking that trend. Yes, I think uh, we all know that there's delistings of, you know, a number of companies on the JSC and the amount of new capital being raised to the Johannesburg Stock Exchange now is, is really quite small because the other ways of sourcing capital. But what ETFs and uh, ETPs have brought to the market is that you can invest in portfolios, not in single companies. Mm. Those portfolios can either be index trackers or they can be actively managed certificates or actively managed ETFs. And so this introduces the ability to invest in portfolios of investments through the stock exchange. In other words, this is attracting a different type of investor. And the people who are listing these types of products, particularly actively managed products, are saying, well, this is one way of my clients being able to buy my portfolios, but they can buy it through the stock exchange. In other words, they can buy and sell them at whatever the price is in the stock exchange. And if I have a client that wants to come and join my invest in my portfolio, well, he can just buy shares in the stock exchange and I can grade shares in the stock exchange for him if I need to. Or if he wants to get out, he can just sell his shares on the stock exchange. So it introduces an easy way of moving in and out of portfolios of investments that up until now have only been available as unit trusts. You've always had third party 
managed uh, unit trusts or so-called white label products where you are an independent manager and you 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 list your uh, your unit trust through one of the unit trust issuers but then you've only been able to transact through the unit trust itself that is the primary issuer whereas with the secondary listing on the stock exchange you can buy you sell, sell your your ETF shares just like any other share and this widens the market quite considerably for the uh, for the asset managers and it also brings down the cost quite substantially because uh, your ETFs are quite low cost in the first place yeah. but you know your stock exchange is acting as your custodians and your transfer secretaries and as your uh, as a listing agent and that's quite cheap you know, if you go and buy a share in the stock exchange, it costs you 14 rand, and that share is now registered in your name, and you own that forever until you sell it. Now, it's much more expensive to transact through a unit trust structure than it is through a listed structure. So I think what we will find is more and more asset managers are going to say, well, this is one way of getting my product out there in the market and attracting new investors that I couldn't otherwise reach because the stock exchange has got a wide uh, ability to attract investors. Yeah, and, and that's all good for our capital markets, which, uh, as we know, um, are, are very deep and liquid uh, in, in African terms. But by global standards, you know, we, we still need to grow and, and grow that retail base at the same time. Uh, we've got a very strong institutional market. Um, another big talking point in, in the world of ETFs this first quarter has obviously been the SEC. Uh, which has uh, given the go-ahead for 11 new ETFs that are going to um, allow retail investors or institutions easier access into uh, Bitcoin, into cryptocurrencies. And uh, I mean, it's one of those things that I think SEC Chair Gary Gensler was a long-time crypto skeptic. He's now voted in favor of the approval. So clearly it shows you there's um, a slightly more mainstream acceptance of cryptocurrencies. Do you think we're going to see local um, uh, uh, ETFs with uh, with crypto exposure come to our market anytime soon? Uh, it's possible, yes. I mean, it's it's been floating around for some time. I mean, I pulled out a file the other day where we uh, we were consulted for somebody wanted to list a Bitcoin ETF on the JSE seven years ago, <laughs> and uh, and that's not the only one. We've done uh, quite a lot of work on trying to list uh, Bitcoin or cryptocurrency ETFs on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange. And it's not as simple as you think because the stock exchange has to accept the liability for being able to deliver those shares at the actual price or the net asset value of those Bitcoins. And we know that the market for Bitcoins and for cryptocurrencies is, uh, you know, takes place through unlisted, unregistered platforms. And it's sometimes quite difficult to adjust those to the regulatory uh, restrictions and style of of a stock market, and uh, up until now, the SEC, this the Securities Exchange Commission in America, has resisted calls to list uh, Bitcoin ETFs, but they were taken to court <laughs> and forced to do it, <laughs> and so they've now accepted it, and hopefully that will encourage our uh, regulatory authorities, because up until now, the stock exchange itself, as well as the FSCA, have resisted uh, crypto type currency. Uh, uh, products being listed on the on an open exchange. Now you know crypto is a is, it's a different sort of asset class. It's it's a digital asset class. It doesn't have any backing or anything like that. But it is an investment class to the extent that it's a uh, you know investors must be aware of the potential risks, but they must also be aware that there's quite a big demand for this type of digital uh, investment. And I, I think uh, cryptos will will gradually come. 
worldwide have acceptance on on listed stock exchanges and in other words become etfs and hopefully we will see the same in south africa yeah, uh, yeah. as i said there's been quite a few people have been looking at doing it yeah. and always found a bit of a brick wall but i think that brick wall is going <laughs> to open i think the gate will swing open and if you want to buy your uh, bitcoin you can buy it on a registered listed exchange and that gives you a lot of peace of mind and yeah. guarantee own the securities. And I think this will be a great move mm. for the crypto industry as a whole. It's mm. a risky asset class, but we've had other risky asset classes in the past. And some of them have gone on to become, you know, formalized and well accepted uh, yeah. uh, investments. Yeah, I think no less risky than certain equities uh, that uh, one, one uh, invests in. <laughs> uh, Standard Chartered, uh, I was seeing some uh, research that estimates between 50 and 100 billion US dollars flowing into these ETFs in the first year alone. So there is significant yeah. appetite. Uh, we're, we're not quite as litigious as the US uh, markets. I don't see anyone uh, taking the JSE to court just yet. But hopefully, um, you know, the, uh, the, the JSE is paying attention to where the global trends are pointing and uh, to ensure that we don't get left behind either. Now, speaking of those global trends, we've seen the demand for foreign referenced ETFs increase obviously driven by global equity markets and the recovery that we've seen there, as well as the RAND depreciation. And one can, I suppose, also add Reg 28 and increasing the offshore limits to that. How do you anticipate this trend evolving this year? Well, in terms of numbers, and there's 212 ETFs, ETNs, and actively managed certificates now listed in the JSC, and that's, you know, that's come from one 22-odd years ago. So it's grown quite quite quickly and there's 212 you know, listed ETFs or ETPs and there's only 280 companies listed in the JSC. So quite soon uh, exchange traded products or portfolios are going to overtake single companies as the as the uh, most numerous listings on the stock exchange. Now, of those 212 ETPs, probably 70% or more of them reference foreign assets. And so you can buy an ETF on the JSC in RANDs, but what it's doing is it's tracking in dollars a global asset or in hard currency a global asset, but you're buying it in RANDs. And you're buying in RANDs as an inward investment, so it doesn't affect your foreign exchange control alliances. There's no restrictions on you as an individual putting as much money as you like into these foreign reference products. And that's where the demand's been in the last year because that's where the markets were growing. We saw quite a strong growth in the U.S. markets, but more Natalie and other global equity markets uh, during this, the latter part of 2023. And that's what's been attracting the money. So the two biggest uh, single ETFs that attracted new capital last year were the Satrix World and the Signia Itrix World ETFs. So in other words, that's where people were saying, I, I may not buy directly into the US. So there was quite a lot of money going into NASDAQ and S&P ETFs as well. But I'll buy a world index, which now gives me exposure to a, a portfolio of, of the best companies in the world across 25 different countries and I think with something like 1,500 different securities making up that index. So uh, it's an easy way to get access to global assets and global asset classes without going through your foreign exchange control alliances, without going through the problems of having to move money globally. And uh, and people are becoming more and more aware of this. So I would expect that foreign referenced uh, uh, advantage that ETFs have over some other asset classes or some other types of investments in South Africa. I would expect that to continue to grow. Yeah. And the JLC and the uh, the uh, concessions they've got from the foreign exchange control authorities to be able to list these global products is, uh, I think, is a very important uh, 
factor for, for many investors. Yeah, and I think not something we talk often enough about. Uh, and just shows you again, yeah. it, it, Percy, why I yeah. think exchange controls are just so anachronistic. Just do away with them. We know they won't, though. Not expecting any major announcements on that front in the budget. Um, you mentioned Signia. Uh, very interesting that they also introduced uh, an actively managed ETF, the Signia iTrix Fang.ai um, actively managed yeah. ETF. And again, we see uh, Taiwan Semiconductor along with NVIDIA uh, shooting the lights out over the last couple of weeks. AI continues to be this big trend. What, what's been the um, response uh, to this innovative product by the market, especially with its unique 20% performance fee? Uh, well, yes, the best performing ETFs last year were the ones that tracked, uh, you know, high-tech in indices, NASDAQ and the S&P IT, which is a standard pause, but only the high-tech you know, IT companies in the standard pause index. And so what uh, Sydney have now done, they've said, well, we'll introduce a, a specific product which focuses on the FANGs, which is the Magnificent Seven. You know, that's the Amazon, Alphabets, uh, Microsofts, and so on. But it's slightly broader than that because it also does bring other high-tech uh, companies into into that particular product, and they actively manage it, so they don't track an index. They just pick which which of those high tech uh, companies I think will perform the best, and uh, we'll see how that goes. It hasn't attracted a lot of money so far. It's only attracted about a hundred million rand, but it's innovative. Um, but as you say, um, what uh, ETFs have always sold in their low costs, and uh, what Sydney have done here, they said, well, if we do well, we're going to take a 20% performance fee. So it may yeah. not prove to be low cost as we think. So we'll have to see whether that affects the demand for that product or not. But that's the sort of innovation that an actively managed portfolio can do. You can pick across a whole spectrum of different investments an actively managed portfolio. And the FANGS is quite a nice uh, um uh, focus, but it's not just purely FANG stocks. It's, it actually includes other high-tech stocks, including, as you said, the Taiwan Semiconductor Companies and uh, and, and, and and others. And uh, So we're watching it with interest, but some of your other actively managed ETFs look quite interesting. Uh, you know, there's an income ETF, there's a global property one, there's a uh, it looks as though there's a <clears throat> couple of uh, new products coming in which can pick shares or any sorts of assets anywhere in the world. In other words, I've got a very broad investment horizon. Uh, we've seen one of those investing uh, or listing just recently. So I think we were, the the idea that you can buy um, quite innovative portfolios, but through the stock exchange is, is going to catch on. Yeah. And uh, hopefully the, the, the dignity of fangs is the sort of thing that arises uh, investor interest and I see they've been advertising it quite a bit and that's great <laughs> well it, it is you know at the end of the day it encourages uh, innovation which is good to see it's good for our capital markets uh, and if we can raise new capital as a result um, uh, really uh, worthwhile uh, pursuing and uh, as always very worthwhile chatting to you, Mike Brown, uh, CEO of ETFSA.coza, about the state of the South African exchange-traded product industry here on Classic Business. Take care. Thanks, Michael. Classic Business with Michael Avery, sponsored by Alex Forbes, for insight, advice, and impact.